0: welcome to the htb discipleship podcast i'm david cornish connect group pastor here at htb earlier this week i caught up with matthew and kathy neville of alpha international and here's what they had to say welcome matthew and kathy thank you so much for joining us today great to be here first of all would you like to unpack what it is you do within alpha and yeah what are your roles
1: I'm the chief executive, which means that I have executive responsibility for running Alpha globally, which means running the Alpha organization and responsible to the board. But we felt very strongly from the beginning and certainly something that Nikki and Pips and the other board members encouraged us on was stepping into this together.
2: Yeah, and I do... um... So at the moment, I'm doing the pastoral care for the Alpha team. I'm involved in leading a morning Alpha group, and, and just as involved as just passionate about Alpha and involved in lots of different ways. So, but, yeah.
1: but one of the things that yeah, we're sort of trying to work out within it is is how much of it is ministry, how much of it is work, <laughs> like yeah. a, you know, like running an organisation, and um, you know, Kathy doesn't want to sit through budget. Compliance I really meetings don't. or KPI reviews, but <laughs> but may want to sit through. You know what it, how we, how we're you know living out the work of the Holy Spirit within this, and so we're exploring some of that together and what that looks like with the team as well, and yeah. making sure that that works for the team and that. Uh, so yeah,
0: could you share with us the path that you've taken to arrive at Alpha and HTB, where you were before? How this, yeah, landed on your plate? What God has brought you through? It'd be great to know a bit of that story.
2: So, um, we were living in Bedfordshire, so we were living outside of London in quite a rural place, um, very rooted in our community—the same community that we'd that we'd grown up in—and um, we we weren't really looking to move, were we? So, our
1: big dream in life was to have there was a section of our neighbour's garden that kind of came across our garden. So our, our big plan was by the time we retired to have made them an offer for that section of their garden. So that yeah, was... We just
2: thought we'd be there long term. We, yeah, we... we
1: felt we lived in like a utopia kind of place. We live five minutes from the school that we met at.
2: so uh, parents down the road and yeah no good
1: reason to leave really. yeah so it's been um work wise immediately before so i was working for world vision which is a christian humanitarian organization i was there 10 years um latterly uh, i was helping to lead our marketing and fundraising work globally before world vision i was at orange and i was again there about nearly 10 years um mostly in corporate finance roles uh, but latterly in marketing there's been very fortunate to sponsor me through an MBA program. I'd used that to switch from finance to marketing um, because I thought I would have fewer meetings at midnight and <laughs> uh, didn't exactly work out like that. No. But uh, yeah, so that was us.
2: Yeah, and I and I was working in um, the school that our children went to um, and, and prior to that I was a family support worker with a, a charity. So...
1: Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, and so um, uh, one of the trustees at Alpha um, approached me about leading uh, Alpha, about becoming chief exec, suggested come and have a chat with Nikki and uh, explore what that looked like. And, you know, that we had both done Alpha when we were... Um, in our early 20s and then we'd also done the marriage course and so the idea of kind of being involved in helping serve this amazing ministry that had, had such an impact on our life was really incredible as Kathy said we weren't necessarily looking um what we certainly weren't thinking about was moving house and so it kind of became apparent that the lifeblood of Alpha International is this church is HTB and like there is is what I've learned since is that if you kind of if you boil down Alpha International you're left with HTB at the very center of it and so the idea of this being a job that I would commute to seemed kind of frankly is it seemed a bit nonsensical and so we were then struggling with this idea oh my goodness so does that mean we have to move and our daughter was just finishing A-levels so in the end it meant that we um we moved Uh, we have have our eldest son Jack is 23 he's living in London our daughter Rosie's gone off to university so we had Harry as a 16 year old so we ended up moving halfway through his GCSE Mm -hmm. program which as every head teacher in London told us was a very terrible parental decision to make Uh, but you know a year on from it God has been unbelievably good to us and Harry is just thrived and flourishing and he, it, so yeah. yeah god has been
2: and i and i think um god was very kind in the whole process if he have if at the beginning he you know matthew had shown me the um the application form and said and it will involve moving to london i think i probably would have said no at that point but god was so kind in that he just gradually revealed it and for us as a family it gave us time to get used to the idea till till we got to the point where we were so excited about moving to London it, you know it wasn't what we planned wasn't what we thought would happen but we were so excited to come and join and be part part of HDB and yes yeah, as, as Matthew says our, our son the one that we worried about and um, disrupting absolutely loves it absolutely has settled so well and it's just been such a learning for us of God's kindness over over the last year of God um looking out for looking after the little details for us so from our home to new friends to schooling you know when when he calls you to do something he doesn't just leave you on your own he equips you yeah
1: wow. I think the two things we learn about God's character and in terms of making a a, a big decision or a big step or a big change in our lives was as Cathy said number one God is is really kind I mean really kind but also God is reckless and I don't know if that's theologically correct or not but he's really reckless I mean you know he, it can, we had quite an investment in where we were, and picked us up and moved us into a place where we had no investment, knew nobody. Um, you know, we'd never been to HTB before we took the job here, and uh, you know that was one of the things that was important. But it was a kind of it was complete. Um, my goodness, why use us? And uh, so yeah, we learned these two sort of kind of really quite reassuring and exciting things about God's character through this process. I wonder what advice you would pass on
0: to any of our listeners who might be be facing those similar sorts of decision-making pieces, London is often a place in which people might have big decisions to make by way of career, by way of moves. Any advice you'd pass on from that process you've been through that they might hold on to?
1: I have a number of sort of go-to biblical verses that, that, I, that I actually have a, a short Bible study that I've written on kind of Bible verses that help in times of big decision. I mean, one of the things you find is that we, we kind of we're waiting for that text from God or an email from God saying, Do this and it just it never arrives. So you're kind of oh, Lord, I'm putting everything on the table here for you. Just a little direction would be really nice and it, you you just don't get it. So Jeremiah six sixteen is a really helpful verse. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. So when you're at a crossroads, just stand and look. Just wait and it's okay you know just just acknowledge internally be present with yourself that you're at a crossroads and you're looking ask for the ancient past so you know what's the ancient wisdom generally that's biblical wisdom you know what what are the what have people done before what's biblically right Then ask where the good way is what are people that you respect what have they done and then just walk in it one foot in front of the other and trusting that you know, what's the direction that's going to find me rest for my soul? And, um, you know, because ultimately that's what God wants. I think sometimes as Christians, we can get this, I'm going to give it all for God. And, you know, he needs me. And, um, you know, I think that can be quite this idea that God needs me to do something. Uh, you know, God might invite you to do something brave and courageous. He doesn't need it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything belongs to God. And so any anything for God, you might be, the idea that god would never ask you to do something difficult i think is silly i think he he will but only because he knows that it ultimately it's good for you mm. um so i think there's some biblical verses that are helpful
2: yeah. i also think um it's really key to remember that that god that if you decide not to it cannot change god's love for you you know if you just decide you don't want to do that thing God is such a good and kind God, and He will give you other opportunities in in the future. It, you know, it, it, most of the decisions we make in life are not a um, are not the final decision. You know, we will we'll have other opportunities, and God God just loves us, and His kindness will. You know, if if we don't want to do it, He's perfectly great with us. So that's that's something that we mm. came to the conclusion before coming
1: to Alpha as well. Yeah, yeah, that was important, the, the kind of realisation of this feels like quite a big thing in God's kingdom and, you know, kind of, you know what, he doesn't need us to do this. Oh, if we do it, great. If we don't, great. You know, he just loves us the same. And one day we may or may not get that piece of our neighbor's garden and <laughs> who knows, it's never going to happen now. <laughs> but, uh...
0: Within the 20 months or so that you've both been in and around Alpha, what are the biggest misconceptions that you have encountered around Alpha, around its vision, around its,
1: yeah, use of evangelism? Sure. When we when we look at the reasons why people come on Alpha, so the number one reason people come on Alpha or do Alpha globally, and Alpha's running currently across 110 countries, is because a friend invited them. That's the number one reason why someone does alpha. And So I, I think if there's a misconception around Alpha, it's a misconception around the word evangelism that we as Christians have have start have received or continue to receive as a sort of a pressure word, a word that puts just a yet another word that puts more pressure on us as Christians. I think there's this idea that it, it that there's this fear. I think around it that I have to be an expert oh, my goodness, what if someone asks me a really controversial question or I have to be an extrovert, you know, lots of, you know, I should go out onto the street and start telling everyone about Jesus or telling the person in the queue. And I think one of the things that Alpha does extremely well is that it just gives people a way of inviting someone to a meal and says, hey, come and learn, explore the meaning of faith. You have the opportunity to hear what we think. You have the opportunity to explore what you think. And, you know, it's a journey. And so I think... One of the things I love about Alpha, I think, is that it it's such a low bar that everybody can it means that everybody can do evangelism. Absolutely everyone. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an extrovert. When Alpha started 25 years ago, it partly started as a reaction to the way that the church was doing evangelism at the time, which was your vicar or your pastor would hand you a set of Christian tracks, let's say 15 tracks, and say, hand these out by this time next week to your neighbours. And here's how you share the gospel. Here's the five point ways in which you share the gospel. And then where's Christian said, well, it feels a bit inauthentic. It's a bit like selling. Let's not do that anymore. Fast forward to today. It's almost like we don't even talk about sharing our faith in church. We say, I tell you what, let's just live our lives in a inverted commas, Christian way, and they'll notice, and they'll ask us about faith, and that's not really working either, because no one is asking about faith. And when we look at the research, many non-Christians, in fact, the majority of non-Christians say, "I would love to have a conversation with someone about Jesus." And then when we do the research with Christians, most Christians say, "I don't, I don't have the confidence or the ability to share my faith." And so, one of the things I just love about alpha is it just is this low bar if you know how to say that's a great question what does everyone else think you can be on a you can lead an alpha small group and it means that you can play an active part in evangelism i think one of the other misconceptions about evangelism is that there's that there's a kind of high it's a high numbers game (laughs) that you have to evangelize lots of people One of the things that Bishop Rick Thorpe, who's the bishop for church planting, says, could we imagine the church doubling in our lifetime, in our generation? Could could church attendance double? It's currently declining, as you know, in this country. What would that take for church attendance to double? Well, all it would take is everybody who's in church to invite one additional person to church in the course of their lifetime. Not one person a week, not stand up and preach to thousands, just intentionally cultivating a relationship with someone to get to the point where you could authentically share your faith about the difference that Jesus has made in a way that is attractional. And you don't have to sell that or dress it up, it just is. And trust that the Holy Spirit would then do the work. Just everybody in church just invites one person to church in the entirety of their lifetime. If you think the person next to you is not going to do it, think about two people in the entirety of your lifetime. So I think the other misconception is that, you know, we have to be inviting someone every week and there's a pressure around that. We don't, you know, just slowly, intentionally um, doing life, loving people, not for any reason, just to the point where it's natural that you can share the thing that is most important to you. Um, So I think, dispelling this idea that it you know this that we receive as a fear word or a pressure word um I, you know it's one of the things i, I think alpha is just so wonderful at. Mm.
2: i think another learning for us when we started was that um it's, as you said before it's not a numbers game and it's amazing and it's brilliant if you've got an alpha group of 20 people but actually we've had some incredible fruit in, in an alpha group where we ended up with one person. And, you know, and it it just, God really, really spoke to me about that. You know, he, he leaves the 99 and runs after the one. And it's not about, having a great big group it's it's about the fact that God loves that one and and um, and this guy who who ended up being our only alpha guest you know he's now leading his own alpha groups he's he's a, a regular member at the church he's really on fire for Jesus and and he says he felt that if he'd have been in a really big group he would have found it really, really difficult. So, you know, again, that's God's kindness of, of preparing the exact group that he needed. And, and so I do think that we need to remember that it's that it doesn't matter if we if we don't have loads, that's okay.
0: Thank you so much. Alpha is a global organisation, and the positions you both hold Will be highly demanding highly flexible you'll be learning a lot of new things all the time i wonder if you could share with us what ways do you find helpful to maintain your connection to god to yeah to be dwelling in that kindness how do you find that space in the busyness of what are yeah two very busy roles
2: i think um i think the key one is prayer you know everything that you do has to be fueled by prayer and there are times if we're really honest that we that our prayer life is fantastic and there are times when when it's not so good and we have to stop and we have to relook at our routines and make sure that we're getting um lots and lots of prayer in and particularly prayer before any big decisions um that's that's definitely been the, the key thing for us, and um, not drawing not drawing um, on our own energy, but you know, drawing on God's on God's energy and the fact that He's the one that sustains us has been key um, to ministry.
1: Yeah, I think this question of energy is key. You know, if you take a definition of a leader as someone who energizes change, as opposed to a manager, someone who maintains stability, then leaders the number one criteria that you need is energy and you know when I talk to leaders around the world you know the one of the main thing that you find is that most people are really depleted in their energy levels because you're really giving out all of the time and so one of the things I think you can fall into the trap of in leadership is thinking the more senior I become the more you know, the more I should be giving out. And, and, and I think it's really important as a leader that you reserve your energy for the key things. And so decision-making, prioritization becomes really, really important. And um, I know for me, when I'm stressed, that that's the first thing that I lose sight of, just self-awareness. I just, I, you know, I get pulled into many many things and I, my energy gets depleted so the points at which i really need to be in a meeting energizing some change i'm just not because i'm you know i've spread it too thinly and so you know alongside prayer and it flows out of that but is you know it's keeping the main thing the main thing you know what what is the ta- how do i how do i get the biggest bang for the buck from energy i'm not superman you know and I cannot, no one has superhuman levels of energy you know and so how can i make sure the small amounts of energy i do have that i'm using in the right way and so i think making sure that you're taking the time to i know i'm better when i'm doing prioritizing well
2: mm-hmm. and i think rest is key as well i think um, i think rest doesn't always just happen we've learned over the years that actually you sometimes have to put rest in your diary you actually have to block out chunks of time that you're not going to do anything that we're just going to spend time together we're going to spend time as a family and if you just leave your diary open it will get filled up so we've really learned over the years the importance of looking at the month ahead and saying have we got any free weekends how many evenings a week do we have commitments how many evenings are we going out and not being there for our children that's children can pay a big price in in ministry and we really want to be available for them and we want them to feel prioritized so that quite often means saying no to things and that's that's okay
1: yeah one of the things we found is quite a lot of our evenings as well as our days are taking up so we were struggling to make a date night work since we moved on. So we've moved that now to a date afternoon on a Friday afternoon. I try and stop work at lunchtime and then we try and then move that. So that means that we're not another evening away from Harry, our youngest, that we're doing that on a Friday afternoon. And so just trying to blend life a bit better Um, and, you know, recognising, you know, I know I'm much better when, um, you know, Kathy and I are strung together and so making sure that that is diarised well.
2: And we also, we've also learned over the years that um, I'm an introvert, Matthew is an extrovert, so we both absolutely love being with people, we love spending time with people equally. We both love a good party, but at the end of that party I know that I need a little bit of time to recover my energy, whereas Matthew would quite happily go to the next party. And we know that that's a difference in our personality type. So it's knowing who you are and what you need is really key as well.
0: What is the most exciting thing going on in Alpha right now?
1: I mean, one of the joys of being in Alpha is that you sort of have this sense of having a front row seat of what God is doing in the world. And, you know, you kind of get to watch the Holy Spirit moving and uh, drawing um, people to God's heart all over the world, which is such a huge privilege. Um, a number of exciting things, and we run through a few very quickly. What God is doing in the Catholic Church is hugely exciting. One of our core values in Alpha is that we're passionate about unity. Unity in the church is a prerequisite for global evangelism. Jesus' prayer for all believers in John 17, Lord, I pray that they would be one so that the world would know that you sent me, so that the world would believe, i.e. the world will believe when it sees Christians being one together. And so, um, the fact that Alpha has been taken up right across the church, I think, is such an exciting part of what happens. And Alpha's growing, grew over twenty percent in the Catholic Church last year. Um, particularly in the US, it's really growing really strongly. We brought out some new resources in the youth space at the end of last year, and again, Alpha uh, for young people has grown massively. We've seen a hundred percent growth again in the US, but strong growth um, globally for Alpha for young people. We're seeing growth in the prisons area, which is hugely exciting. So um, in terms of our ministry and some of the areas where we work in, we're seeing some really strong areas of growth in that at the moment, which is exciting. One of the things that's happening organisationally is that we're going through the process of saying, okay, how does Alpha move from being a largely analog proposition in the way that we engage with churches being a digital proposition. And so a lot of thinking, a lot of investment, a lot of work going into that globally. We've been rolling out a new digital platform across all of the countries that we work in. And so there's a lot happening in that space and a lot will happen over the next couple of years.
0: Sounds brilliant. Finally, if our listeners have been yeah inspired are thinking now what can I be doing? Yeah, what what would you say? What can they be praying
1: for? How can they, yeah, be putting their hands to the wheel? What would you recommend? Well, Sandy has this phrase that you know, you know, the concept of the note on the fridge, where you, you've kind of gone out and you've left your your spouse a note on the fridge. You know, I'll be back in twenty minutes. Do this and uh, get this job done. And so Jesus's note on the fridge is Matthew twenty-eight. Go and make. You know, I'm going. I'll be back at some point. In the meantime, go and make disciples of all nations. And so, you know, I think I think first of just just this idea that being a follower of Jesus means, you know, our discipleship process means uh, sharing faith and making disciples of other people. And, you know, Alpha is this just wonderful gift to the church to be able to do that. I mean, that's essentially what it is. And so I think one of the things that, that we as Christians can do is just intentionally step into that identity. What does it mean? What, what does it mean if I'm going to live my life as being someone who's going to make disciples of all nations? Or, you know, Can I do that in a big way or a tiny way? And as I said before, it can just mean just one person, just intentionally relationship with one person, praying for that person every day, loving that person, just naturally faithfully sharing what Jesus the difference Jesus has made in your life in a normal way in a way that doesn't sound weird mm-hmm. and isn't trying to sell them something or dress it up into something that it's not or oversell it just be natural normal trust the work of the Holy Spirit to do the rest of it mm-hmm. and invite them on Alpha it's pretty easy
2: yeah definitely say you know if people haven't been a helper on Alpha before come and be a helper I it's the highlight of my week. I love it so much. And, you know, be intentional about about inviting somebody to come along as well. And don't assume that they'll say no. I think we can assume that people actually won't want to do that because you know them quite well. And um, sometimes people surprise you we've had we've had some uh we've asked people recently and we've been so so surprised i asked my hairdresser she said she'd love to come i was more shocked than than she was that i asked her so you just never know who's going to say yes don't be don't be afraid to ask people
0: matthew kathy thank you so much for joining us it's been wonderful thank you thank Thank you. you We hope you have found all that Matthew and Kathy have shared inspiring and challenging. If you'd like more details on when Alpha is next running at HTB, visit htb.org forward slash Alpha. Thanks for listening.